yuck. I mean, nobody thought they were going to keep winning. No one was predicting a five-game winning streak at any point in the 2022 season. But like that? Really? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. Marlins 5, Pirates 4 in 10 innings. And that doesn't begin to describe how wacky those final three innings were with the Pirates holding a lead, then blowing the lead, then tying the game in the ninth, then putting two runs up in the 10th, and then David Bednar giving up three runs in the bottom of the 10th. And this refrain is beginning to become a little bit too familiar. Bednar has all the potential, all the pedigree in the world. We saw that through two-plus months of this season, during which he was arguably the most effective closer in the game. In putting that in parentheses, you know, his situations aren't going to be as high stakes as closers who are playing for contenders and, and regularly in front of 50,000 people and whatever else here. But Bednar was getting it done everywhere against everyone, including, I should add, in front of 50,000 people in Dodger Stadium. But a month ago, he started to lose a little bit and get tagged just a little bit. Then he was shut down for a brief spell with what the team described as a back issue and a minor back issue. And everyone kept repeating that it was minor. Derek Shelton mentioned it. Todd Tomzik, the director of sports medicine, mentioned it. Bednar himself mentioned it. Minor, minor, minor. Okay, maybe it was minor. Maybe it is completely in the past tense. But maybe, also, Bednar hasn't been himself since then. And maybe something from that time with the back issue threw him out. I don't know. I'm not an athletic trainer. I'm not a pitching coach. I'm not Bednar. But here's what I know. The results since then have been consistent not only in terms of outcome, but also in terms of delivery, meaning he's serving up meatballs. He's giving up lasers. If you look at the hits that the Marlins had against him in that 10th inning last night, these were not, excuse me, uh-oh, check swing, unlucky. They were ropes. And those have been happening for a while, in addition to a completely uncharacteristic Lack of control. Now, he didn't really have a lack of control last night, although you could argue that the the wild pitch that ended up bringing across the winning Miami run would have been that. But he he's still not been – he just hasn't been himself, okay? He just hasn't. And here's what Shelton had to say about that to the reporters in Miami afterward. Yeah, I, well, I thought tonight I – I mean, this is going to sound strange, but I thought he threw too many strikes. What, he threw 14 pitches? 13 strikes. I mean, he was just in the zone too much. Uh, you know, even the pitch to Aguilar there, 0-2 pitch, you know, trying to get a punch out. Ball stays close enough. I don't know if it's in the zone, but close enough for the zone. So uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I thought today he was just in the zone a little bit too much. So what to do now? What to do? Here's what I would do. With all due respect 
and appreciation for everything that he did to legitimately earn being a National League All-Star, shut him down and no All-Star game. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Look at it this way. If he's shut down, and I'm talking today, on the 10-day IL, the same way they just did with Brian Reynolds, he'd only miss, well, he wouldn't really miss anything because he wasn't going to be able to pitch the finale today in Miami. He wasn't going to be able to pitch tomorrow night in Denver just because of the activity that he's had this week. So realistically, you're talking about him missing Saturday and Sunday in Denver. And then there's the All-Star break in which the Pirates don't play for four days. And then a couple games next weekend. Let him get right. Let him get 100% right. Whether that's the back, whether that's physical or mental or watching video or whatever it takes, he is way too valuable to this franchise to be allowed to just keep limping along like this. There has to be an intervention. There has to be someone step in and say, hey, let's just just cut this out right now. Let's just shut this down and see if we can bounce back from this in a week and a half. Now, does he lose the whole pomp and circumstance and pageantry and everything else that goes with the All-Star game? Yeah. And, And does that stink? Sure. His future's way, way, way more important than any of that. I am not, and I really want to underscore this, I am not doubting Bednar and what he's going to continue to be in the majors. The stuff that he's got, the 98, sometimes 99 heat, the two other pitches that he has that can keep hitters off edge, uh, actually, for that matter, the curve that he threw to get the swing and miss last night that Jason DeLay, the double-A catcher, couldn't block, he's got everything that you'd want, including the personality, the character, and everything else. I would plead with everyone to show some patience here. I saw, heard, and read some stuff after the game last night. He stinks, that's it, he's done, flash in the pan, get him out of there. Because that's just how people are whenever uh, closers blow games, because those are really ugly losses. This is a key part of this franchise's future. That's not about to change. When we come back, day one Q. You know, before we get to J1Q today, I feel like it's worthwhile to step out of the box for a second and give a little tip of the helmet here to JT Brubaker. Uh, This is a guy that 
I think a lot of us, myself included, no exception here, uh, had begun to significantly doubt, uh, especially over the early part of this season when he just kept giving up home run after home run after home run. That was seven eggs he put up there last night, and he's done a lot of that lately. And he absolutely deserves any and all praise that comes his way right now. My goodness, can you imagine the difference that it would make to this organization, especially at the big league level, to have yet another starting pitcher that they at least believe that they could count on moving forward? Today's J1Q comes from John, who asks, can someone please explain why the Marlins didn't take a bunch of pitches in that inning? I think John's talking about the 10th. Why did they swing and make contact? Are they not aware of the importance of driving up pitch counts? And then John ends with an ugh. Okay, so John's really, really good at sarcasm, but John's actually dead on here. Uh, And he's not being serious about the Marlins. What he's talking about, of course, is that the Pirates basically uh, sleepwalked offensively for seven innings, because this is what they do. They stand in the box and they try to run up pitch counts. They all essentially follow the Daniel Vogelback model, meaning only swing at the pitches you're absolutely positive you can make contact with. Even if you don't actually make that contact, at least let that be the philosophy. And Andy Haynes has embraced that. The entire staff has embraced that going all the way up to Ben Charrington. They feel that it's a way that the Pirates can compete uh, more evenly with teams that might have better starting pitching than they do, which is most of them. And if they chase the other team's starter earlier than that starter would like to leave, then it's just our bullpen against your bullpen, and it's more of a fair fight. I get that. I actually appreciate that when it happens, when it works, it looks and feels great. It looks like a total team-wide effort that resulted in something. But my goodness, can it sink into passive approaches that just make you want to go, you know, or whatever it was that John expressed there at the end of his cue. I, it's, it's tough to watch. Okay, Uh, it's probably tougher for people who've seen more than one generation of baseball and who can appreciate the value of contact, who can appreciate the value of being aggressive, of get that bat off your shoulder. When in fact, now you're told, be ready to hit. That's the phrasing that gets used in clubhouses now. Be ready to hit. Look at him. He's ready to hit. What does that mean? It's like being ready to break the glass in case of emergency. In the event that someone actually throws you a pitch that you might want to hit, go ahead and swing. And it's not at all the way baseball was, my goodness, even just 15, 20 years ago, you know? And when it doesn't work, yeah, it's, it's annoying. And you want to throw a shoe or something at the TV screen. Like, wake up. Somebody at least swing the bat here. The positive in this, if you can try to pull one out, is that next year you're going to see Major League Baseball 
uh, ban the shift, as they put it. It's not that simple. You're obviously still going to be able to move infielders uh, within certain ranges, but it's not going to be as crazy as it is now. So you're going to see contact become more valued offensively. And the teams that are better prepared for that, I think, are going to score a lot more runs than the teams that don't. So if you've got contact guys, if you've got like, let's say you're Freddie Sanchez types that won't necessarily hit for a ton of power and Freddie didn't walk a whole lot either. Uh, a more recent example, and he's still playing and playing quite well, actually, is Josh Harrison with the White Sox. Uh, Jay Hayden wasn't interested in walking. Jay Hay didn't have much power. All Jay Hay did and is still doing on the south side of Chicago is spraying the ball all over the place. Those teams, I think, are going to be better equipped for next year, and we will all be in a better position for more entertaining baseball. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow, after which I'll be flying to Denver to cover the Pirates weekend series against the Rockies at Coors Field.